Hey, yo, what's your name? What's your number? Man, I was just listening to that song. That's a good song. Ladies, gentlemen, fellas, 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 a week away from the NFL season. Can you feel it in your bones if you're watching this video right now? The big energy trying to break out of your skin right now. I've got it. I've got the big energy. No, it's not the two cups of coffee so far. Don't worry about that. It's the big energy of when your eyeballs are going to be on this screen. You're going to be looking at seven days away from Thursday night football starting it off. And I got the worst picks for you. Oh my God, Sal. We're watching on YouTube. When we see Patrick Mahomes over your shoulder, when you're talking about the worst picks, relax. We're about to get into it in just a second. And before we get into it, smash the like button for me right now. 48.8% of you over the last 28 days are watching without being subscribed. I get it. I watch YouTube a lot and I don't really realize to subscribe to a lot of the channels. But if you're here right now, I want to give you that extra urge to do it. It takes no time out of your day. Bottom right hand corner, subscribe button. It's popping up on the screen right now. It really does help this channel grow. It takes two seconds out of your day. So if you take your phone out of your pocket, or if you can just hit that button, if it's on podcast, YouTube, wherever you are, it really does help this channel grow. It's just me here doing everything behind the scenes, doing everything for the uploading. So I appreciate that in advance. Thank you very much. We're going to be looking at eight players so far that I think are the worst picks based on where they're currently going drafted on average, according to four for four's ADP, which right now as I'm looking at it, uses Yahoo, Best Ball, FFPC, ESPN, Best Ball 10s, all these types of things. CB to get the average draft position of the players and where they're currently going. So I've got these eight players for you. For more than half of them, we'll be looking at player profiles from my Supreme Draft Guide. For the Supreme Draft Guide right now, it's linked down below. You can get it for just $10 as the final week of drafts are approaching us right now. So be sure to take advantage of that offer. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. All of it's linked down below. Top 150 rankings, tiers, all these things are going to help you dominate your draft. 150 plus player profiles, key stats, databases with models and projections and all this stuff. So be sure to check it out. It's linked down below. If you want to dominate your draft, be elite mates. You're basically going to be bringing a gun to a knife fight if you have the supreme draft guide by yours truly again all the information is linked down below so let's just start this bad boy off let's start off with one patrick mahomes and why i think that he is not the greatest of picks this year and i actually think he's a bad pick this year in your drafts and honestly you could put lamar jackson in this bucket as well for most standard league drafts look his adp is 11th overall sal you're crazy there's no way people are taking patrick mahomes in the first round no 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 this is what happens in casual leagues if you're playing in higher stakes leagues yeah he's going in the second or third round honestly in my opinion still a bad pick unless it's a huge tournament and you're trying to stack players but if you're taking him in the first round or early second round of your drafts and you're just trying to beat 10 other people you're setting yourself up to lose but sal i drafted him two years ago and i won my league yeah you drafted him in the 12th round two years ago sal i drafted lamar jackson last year and i won my league yeah you drafted him in the 12th round last year now you got to take these guys in the first or second round that usually doesn't pay off for you people are doing this for three or four years straight taking aaron Rodgers in the first round and for three or four years straight you were finishing fourth in your fantasy league that's not what you want to be doing patrick mahomes last year if you exclude the game that he got hurt and we just look at a fantasy point per game production so the games that he actually fully played he ended up averaging 20.4 fantasy points per game that was tied for fifth but he had about five other quarterbacks less than a half a point behind him so he was pretty much in the top 10 with a bunch of other quarterbacks last year and okay maybe you can say that he he regressed right he went from being like scoring 25 fantasy points a game the year before his mvp season to 20 so maybe he's somewhere in the middle there right 22 23 a game in the 10th and 12th rounds of your drafts you could be picking up cam newton you could be picking up guys like potentially matthew stafford maybe tom brady falls to you in your draft in that 10th to 12th round range and they're going to be going out there and probably getting close to 20 fantasy points per game at least one of them is so why not for 10 rounds later taking another guy back there when you can load up on an elite wide receiver or running back in the first two rounds of your draft it is nowhere near the same thing as you drafting lamar jackson in the 12th round last year because you were able to grab a top running back like say a dalvin cook at the end of the first round last year instead of snagging lamar jackson or patrick mahomes there now look he's going like 22nd overall in some of the actual money leagues right now but that's still a second round pick 
I don't want Patrick Mahomes there. It's nothing about the talent. We obviously know how good this guy is. He's my number one overall quarterback right now in fantasy rankings, but I'm not taking him until 50th overall. I'm not touching a quarterback in the top 50 picks is what that pretty much means because I think late round quarterbacks is the way to go. If you're snagging there and you're sitting there and you're like, damn, I just took Patrick Mahomes at 11th or 12th or 13th overall and I got two picks back to back. I'm feeling real good. If it's not a big tournament, if you're not trying to win a huge tournament and you're stacking the Chiefs and you're trying to get a unique lineup, if you're just playing nine other people in a 10 man league or 11 other people in a 12 man league, you probably just made the biggest mistake of the draft and the biggest donkey move. Even if it's a six point passing touchdown league, I still don't want Patrick Mahomes in the first round. It makes it a little bit better, makes it more of a reasonable option in the second and third round, but I still don't want it. The opportunity cost is huge when guys like Matthew Stafford last year, who was on pace to be the second highest scoring quarterback before he got hurt midway through the season, is going to be going in like the 10th round in a lot of drafts right now. The 10th round for a guy who can probably rival and outscore Patrick Mahomes when it comes to straight up touchdowns thrown, right? It, it's, it's tough to really want to be going to Patrick Mahomes that early. I'm sure a lot of you watching this understand that, but I'm also sure there's a lot of casual people who are just getting back into the fantasy research as your draft is approaching. Do not fall for the trick of the name value Super Bowl quarterback Patrick Mahomes in the first round because I've been seeing it happen more and more often right now, and it is a terrible choice. The next man up for me as we go over to the Supreme Draft Guide is one Amari Cooper, the Dallas Cowboys wide receiver one. I love Amari. I've been on the Amari boat since he was in Oakland saying he's a top 10 wide receiver in this league for a while now, and he's currently going ninth overall in terms of wide receiver nine and 27th overall in the overall ranks where he's coming off the board in fantasy football drafts. I have him as my wide receiver 15. I have him as the 37th overall player off the board. Look, I still have him as a top 15 wide receiver. I'm just never going to get him when I'm 10 spots behind on overall ranks. I'm drafting Amari Cooper around later than he's going. People want to take him in the beginning of the third round right now. I don't want to take him till the beginning of the fourth round, and he rarely falls to there. You can see his stats right now on the screen from last year, and they were fantastic stats. He was very efficient. He was top 10 in yards per route run and yards per target. He's one of the best route runners in the league, although he sometimes struggles with man coverage, so it's kind of confusing on how those two things can go hand in hand. He was seventh in overall yardage. He ends up catching 79 balls. He did miss some time as well, but he has eight touchdowns as well. So very good year. Good year all around, and he ended up missing time, so it could be even better. But now Michael Gallup is looking to kind of break out in his third year after he broke out last year very quietly. They take C.D. Lamb. They're going to have an upgrade at tight end with Blake Jarwin back there instead of having an old Jason Witten. So overall, the whole pie now is going to be distributed, in my opinion, across a little bit more. So if you don't get these 10 touchdown seasons as a, out of Amari, and it's only six to eight again, his yardage might not prop up all that much more. So I don't want to be taking where he is. Look, it's not that huge of a difference. It's a one round difference, but I want to be going there. And the big reason why is what you're seeing out of the target competition. I'll zoom in on the target competition right now, but the target competition and the overall offense competition is a little bit worrisome. I mean, it's studs everywhere. You have CD Lamb who ended up drafting in the first round because he just dropped way too far. We have some player profiles on CD Lamb right now out of Oklahoma, probably the best receiver in the draft in my opinion. And now he's going to be working probably primarily out of the slot, although I'm sure he'll shift around with Michael Gallup and Amari to an extent. Amari played 14% of his snaps out of the slot last year. You have Michael Gallup who goes for over 1,100 yards last year. He goes for 66 receptions. He also missed some time and six touchdowns. Michael Gallup is being disrespected right now where he's being drafted in a lot of drafts. And I think that this is going to be another reason why I'm a little bit lower on Amari Cooper because I'm higher on Michael Gallup. I'm slightly higher on CeeDee Lamb. I'm very high on Blake Jarwin. I'm high like many people are on Zeke, right? So it's a tough position to be in. Yes, Randall Cobb is gone and Jason Witten, who they leave behind 79 targets and 55 receptions. But I think that probably CeeDee Lamb alone is going to pick up those 55 receptions or close to it. And then it takes Blake Jarwin to pick up now his big work share coming into the season where he's probably going to rival towards a 50 catch season or more. And if that's the case, well, the Cowboys are going to have to either start setting some records or Amari's just going to have to go down in fantasy points. And although I think the Cowboys offense is very good, I'm just going to leverage on the fact that this is not going to be a historic offense. It does set up to be so. But if you're telling me to bet on it will be historic or won't be historic, more times than not, when you bet against a team being a historic team, just look at the Eagles dream teams in the past, in the past couple of decades, when they've had two or three different dream teams and none of them met expectations. I'll just bet against that happening and nothing major. I just think that Amari Cooper is going a little bit around too early. Sometimes I see him going at the end of the second round. It's just not my cup of tea, especially as the wide receiver 
position in his own offense is not really that secure when Michael Gallup was a 1A, 1B, and now you're bringing a stud in CD Lamb. Next up for me is going to be the Baltimore Ravens running back, Mark Ingram. So a couple things here. He's going 54th overall in the RB23. I have him 65th overall in my RB27, but I think I'm going to start moving him down because news broke yesterday, two days ago, as you're watching this, that J.K. Dobbins is going to have a more significant role. We already know that Gus Edwards is going to have somewhat of a role as the RB2 last year and being pretty significant. Now, maybe J.K. Dobbins only takes away from Gus Edwards, but if J.K. Dobbins starts getting involved in the passing game, which he was very good at when he was at Ohio State, or at least adequate enough, more so than Mark Ingram, in my opinion, now it's going to start becoming very difficult for Mark Ingram to reproduce what he did last year. And Mark Ingram was just way too efficient last year. Let's look at his 2019 stats. And this is a good thing to be efficient, but it's hard to really replicate for fantasy football. He had 201 carries, gets over a thousand yards. So he's averaging over five yards per carry. His offense ran the first most times in the league at 37.2, by far the most in the league. Okay, that might happen again, but is it going to happen with that wide of a disparity? He saw just 15.2 touches per game, which was 21st in the league, yet he scores 15 touchdowns, right? He ends up catching five touchdowns in the receiving department. That's just not efficient. Five touchdowns on 26 receptions. It's not going to happen again. On just 30 targets, you're scoring five receiving touchdowns. No way, Jose. He was number eight in red zone touches on just 49.8% of the snaps, and he was fourth in overall touchdowns with a 6.6% rate. His touchdown rate was very similar to Raheem Mostert. It was very similar to Aaron Jones, who everybody wants to highlight Aaron Jones' touchdown regression. Obviously, Aaron Jones' 19 touchdowns are hard to replicate, but that percentage at 6.7% is very high. 6.6% for Mark Ingram is also very high. Five receiving touchdowns on 30 targets is not going to be repeated, especially now when you have a second round stud out of Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins coming in, and they're typing him up a week before the season, saying he's going to be a lot more involved. Another thing to call out is that there's also going to be no more Marshall Yonda. He retires, and he's probably going to be a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, so they have to replace Marshall Yonda now with a couple of third and fourth round picks that they got in the NFL draft. That's a really steep ask to do to replace right off the back, and that's going to impact their rushing offense in general. Here's the backfield competition real quickly. It's J.K. Dobbins, it's Gus Edwards, and it's Justice Hill. Dobbins in college, you can see the numbers on the screen. Over 300 carries last year, over 2,000 yards, and he pretty much did that every single year when he was at Ohio State, going for over 300 carries. And he caught 23 balls for a 7.6% target share. Anytime you're catching over 20 balls in college as a running back, that's a really good thing. He was the number one running back in runs of 15 or more yards. So he's explosive, he's dynamic, and he was number four in yards after contact. So he can do a lot on his own as well, independent of his offensive line. And then Gus Edwards is no slouch. He had over 700 yards last year. He had two touchdowns and he caught seven balls as well. So when you're gonna have Gus Edwards coming out with over 750 total yards last year, even if he's your RB2A to 2B with J.K. Dobbins, it's going to impact the guy in Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram had to be mega efficient. He finished as a top 10 running back, number 10 overall, which is crazy, but he had to be mega efficient and score a ton of touchdowns. If the wealth is now going to be distributed, if you will, Bernie Sanders-esque, with J.K. Dobbins out here and going to have a quote-unquote significant role, it could impact Mark Ingram, and I think it's going to. I think that Mark Ingram right now, I'm taking him around later than where he goes, 65th overall compared to 54th, and I just never get him, and I'm fine with that. A similar running back and argument for Mark Ingram goes to Raheem Mostart, who I don't like at all. I have him right now as my RB28. I have him 67th overall. He's going 60th overall, so his, his ranking's actually dropping because other people are realizing he's not that great of a pick. But even if I get to him and he's at a spot where he's 67th and he's my 67th on the board, I normally go to a different position or I already have my running backs at that point because I don't want to draft Raheem Mostert. Look at this. 2019, he was mega efficient, but he did it in like the last couple weeks of the season. He had a couple big games down the stretch and he obviously had the big playoff performance against the Packers that everybody remembers. But during that time, Tevin Coleman was getting just as many snaps, just as many carries. Also, Jarek McKinnon was not on the team who right now, Jarek McKinnon, they're saying looks like by far the best running back in camp and that he's going to be on the field a lot, especially in passing down situations. Well, that just kills Raheem Mostert's value. Raheem Mostert was only generating 10 touches per game, even with his hot end to the season, quote unquote hot. He was the number one running back in true yards per carry, 5.3. I don't expect that to happen again, even behind a very good offensive line. They did lose Joe Staley. He scored 10 touchdowns on just 137 carries. 10 touchdowns. That was another efficient 6.6% touchdown rate, very similar to Mark Ingram. So you're getting a guy who's in the second best offense in terms of rushing plays per game. I think that's going to regress as they lost to Forrest Buckner and some pieces on their defense. They lost an offensive lineman and just naturally 
your defense is going to get worse than it was a top two, top one defense last year with the Patriots. So it means more passing, less running if you're not in positive game scripts. So look, Raheem Mostert, it's the same argument as was for Mark Ingram. There's now more guys in the backfield. Tevin Coleman is still there. I do think that you're going to see a very significant role for Jarek McKinnon. He's the cheapest running back in this backfield, average draft position wise. So he's therefore my favorite. And I just expect this touchdown regression to come for Raheem Mostert. I never expect him to handle the majority of the touches. Even if he gets to 200 touches this year, I don't really want to be drafting Raheem Mostert at the end of the fifth round for a 200 touch season where other guys in his backfield are getting just as many touches per game. Let's say Mostert averages 10 to 12 touches per game. Is that really worth it? Especially if he's not going to get pass catching work because McKinnon's out there. And there's going to be the risk of his injury issues, the durability right here. He's had lower body injuries. He's had upper body injuries, hamstrings, shoulders, right? He's had a fractured arm and knee sprain last year, had five to six weeks on the injury report. Here's the backfield competition if you quickly want to look at it. Also, something else to point out, Tevin Coleman isn't a contract year. Who knows if that motivates him or not, but you would expect it to at least potentially motivate him. And I haven't even started to talk about Jeff Wilson, who was vulturing touchdowns at points last year and the year before that for the San Francisco 49ers team. I do not want Mark Ingram. I do not want Raheem Mostert. They both don't look like great options for me. If you're drafting them as your RB1 or RB2s, you probably messed up somewhere earlier on, or you should have just waited a little bit later. Next up is going to be tight end Hunter Henry. Look, tight ends, I don't want to be drafting unless, unless you really like Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or Urch drops a little bit and sure take them. I normally just wait until the 10th round and get two stud tight ends that I think have the upside of being just as good as anybody else at the tight end position, but you're getting them so much later. And for some reason, people still like Hunter Henry. I don't get it. Hunter Henry, here's the stats last year. And right now he's going as the 72nd overall player in the tight end seven. He's my tight end 12. So he's not even a top 10 tight end for me. And I have him 104th overall. So I'm almost 30 picks away from consensus. I think you should be taking Hunter Henry about three rounds later than when he's currently going. That's crazy. Look, he was good last year, but he was playing with a quarterback who's notorious for checking it down to the running backs and throwing to his tight ends in Phillip Rivers. Now you get a mobile quarterback to start the year and or at some point transitioning to a rookie in Justin Herbert. It's going to be a rocky season for a lot of these Chargers players. And it's going to be even worse for Hunter Henry, a guy who had a very strong connection with Phillip Rivers. You can see all the places where he ranked last year. He was number five in route participation. He was pretty much a top 10 tight end in every single area, whether it was touchdowns with his five, whether it was receptions or receiving yards. And this was with missing like a month plus of the season last year due to injury. But again, I'm not that high on Hunter Henry because of what's changing here, because of the changing of the guard at the quarterback position. It's going to be a little bit interesting seeing if Tyra Taylor's mobility leads to him not checking it down as much four or five year passes to Hunter Henry. And also it's just an opportunity costing. I could poke holes in Hunter Henry and I have. He's my tight end 12 compared to going off the board as tight end seven. But I just like other guys more and I'd rather wait. Why take a guy in the seventh round when there's stud wide receivers, in my opinion, in those rounds going off the board, whether it's a Marvin Jones, potentially a Michael Gallup, maybe it's even a guy who's still on the board in a Julian Edelman or a Will Fuller or a Jarvis Landry. Those are very strong wide receiver two, wide receiver three, maybe even wide receiver fours for you. Or you can be taking a tight end who in my opinion is going to produce worse than the guys going in the 10th round, or at the very least produce very similar to those guys at this point, unless somebody has a huge touchdown season. So Hunter Henry, it's opportunity cost, and it's going to be the exact same argument for another tight end right here that you all know and probably love, Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski's ADP has gotten out of control because casual players are coming back and saying, oh, Rob Gronkowski's still on the board in the seventh round. I'm going to snag him right now. That's probably not what you should be doing. He's going off the board 80th overall. He's my 101st player. So again, I think you should be taking Rob Gronkowski two rounds later than he's currently going. And a lot of this is just because I see guys like Mike Gusecki, Jonu Smith, TJ Hawkinson, a lot of these guys, Blake Jarwin to an extent, looking very similar to Rob Gronkowski's production this year. They're also saying that Rob Gronkowski is only going to play in the red zone. Okay, so, oh, Sal, he's going to get six touchdowns. But what happens if he only has 400 receiving yards? That's not great. That's not good at all. What happens if he only has 30 receptions, 400 receiving yards, and five or six touchdowns? That's not going to be a seventh round pick for you. That's not the Gronk that you think you're drafting. And even if they're wrong, even if Gronk is going to play in between the 20s, which they've been saying that right now Cameron Bray and OJ Howard are getting a lot of work inside the 20s and Gronk is only playing in the red zone, 
even if Gronk plays inside the 20s and he has a pretty good season, is it worth a seven round pick? Well, obviously, if he scores 10 touchdowns, yeah. But if it's just going to be very similar to Hunter Henry's production, well, then again, for me, I think he's fine as a top 10 tight end. He's right around my tight end 10 for me, but I don't think you should be taking these tight ends until later on. You'll probably never get Rob Gronkowski then, but that's fine. Let some other donkeys in your league take Patrick Mahomes on name recognition in the first round and Rob Gronkowski on name recognition in the seventh round. It's also worth pointing out. He does look good. He does look like he's in shape, but again, he didn't play last year when he was retired. He hasn't played since 2018 where he played 13 games. He did play 93% of the snaps, as you can see right here. And in 2018, he was still an efficient tight end. He was pretty much top 10 in every single department, whether it's air yards, whether it's yards per target, fantasy points. But again, that was over a year. That was like a year and a half ago at this point. So that's something that you should bake into that. He's still young, 32. I think Gronk's fine. I wish I could be drafting Gronk, but he's going inside the top 80 picks, right around pick 80 right now. And that's just way too early. In your 12 team leagues, that means you have to be drafting Rob Gronkowski in the seventh round. And I just don't want to be doing that. He looks more like a ninth or a 10th round pick to me. And that's how he stats out for me right now. So I think you're going a little bit too early on him at that point. The final two players. And as we get to these final two players, the first one being rookie Jerry Judy, please do hit that like button for me real quickly. Big old subscribe button pops up. You can check out the for the final week right now for just $10. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight, the logo up above sponsoring this video. You can check out the Supreme Draft Guide, Monkey Knife Fight player prop site over there. You go over there, you put 10 bucks in, they'll give you a free $5 to play with. They'll give you a free ticket to play in another contest. So you get a couple of free bets, a couple of free wagers to go to, and then I'll send you the Supreme Draft Guide once you play $2 of non-promotional balance over there. It triggers a response. It says, yo, Sal, send this fella or this lady fella the draft guide. And I send it right over to you. You dominate your draft. You smack people. You're going to be bringing a gun to a knife fight. You're going to be heavily loaded and you're going to just dominate that draft. So go ahead, check it out. All the information is linked down below. Like and subscribe. Appreciate all of you a ton. And let's finish it up. Jerry Judy right now, final two players. Look, I just don't like where he's going ADP wise. There's a lot you can say about Jerry Judy. Right now, he's probably at best the number two wide receiver on his team as a rookie, which is pretty good, but behind Cortland Sutton without a doubt. But in the middle of the field, he's probably going to play in the slot. Very good route runner. In the middle of the field out of Alabama, you're going to be having, you're going to be having Noah fan out there who's not out of Alabama. That's Jerry Judy. No fan, I believe is out of Iowa. You're going to have him in the middle of the field. He's set to kind of be a breakout tight end. Not many guys put up the amount of yards he didn't have success that he did last year. You have another rookie in KJ Hamler who has a hamstring strain, hasn't been practicing. So that gives Jerry Judy kind of a bump up if anything, but Jerry Judy is currently going 112th overall right now as the wide receiver 42. I'm nowhere near this. I have him as 138th overall, but he's my wide receiver 58. So I have him 16 spots lower than where he's currently going. There's just so many other wide receivers that I'd rather be going to right now. I mean, let me just name off some of the guys in my rankings right now that I have ahead of Jerry Judy at the wide receiver position and argue with me if you want that you would take them ahead of him. I have Preston Williams. I have Anthony Miller. I have Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Henry Ruggs, CD Lamb, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, like these types of names, McCole Harmon, Emmanuel Sanders, guys that I think are already established veterans as either wide receiver ones or wide receiver twos in their offense, because Jerry Judy is not a wide receiver one his offense. Maybe he will be one day. Right now, he profiles out to be a wide receiver too without any experience, and he's not profiling out to have a huge role in his offense, like some other guys, in my opinion, are with Henry Ruggs. Right now, maybe being the number one with Tyrell Williams going down and being on IR. And we could also throw in the fact that Drew Locke, he did look okay for like the month, the month and a half that he played last year, but nothing was fantastic. Nothing showed me that this guy's definitely going to support multiple players in his offense. So last year, he was chucking the ball, highest target share rate in top five in the league down the stretch was actually Drew Locke to Cortland Sutton. It wasn't efficient, but he was targeting him. So if he's going to be heavily targeting Cortland Sutton, like we expect, if Melvin Gordon is going to get his share out of the backfield, and then it's going to be split up between these other guys. I can't see a guy like Jerry Judy being a top 50 wide receiver, at least in your projections at the end of the year. Sure. But at least projecting it out to start the season, I don't want to be drafting him where he's currently going. And at the end of the day, I currently have him going about two rounds later than he should. And that's where I'm taking him. I like other rookies over him. Even you can see his 2019 stats right here. were very good. He played out of the slot over half the time. So if he plays in the slot, it makes him more efficient. He faces worse cornerbacks. He has a lot more of the field to use. And he's an exciting rookie. He was my favorite route runner. He was my second favorite wide receiver coming out of this draft, probably behind a guy 
guy in CeeDee Lamb, but it's just tough when he's going to be drafted as if he's going to be a top producing receiver right away. People are drafting him right now as if he's going to be a wide receiver four and somebody that you can flex week in and week out. That may very well be the case, but if you're drafting him with that expectation, with you're just assuming that he's going to be a strong flex option for you week in and week out, I think you're going to be let down more times than not when you make decisions that way. And then finally, Sony Michelle is just not somebody I want to own. All the hype and the buzz is about Damian Harris in camp right now. They're saying that he looks like he's going to be the starters and running right now with the ones a lot in a lot of these scrimmages. Sony Michelle is going as the RB43. He's my RB56. He's going 122nd overall. He's not even in my top 150. Look, this guy got hurt down the stretch in Georgia and he hasn't been the same once he's come to the NFL. Dealt with some injuries in the NFL as well, but he has not been a pass catcher. They don't even use him around the red zone as much as they probably should, giving guys like Brandon Bolden, a special teams captain, some red zone touchdowns last year over Sony Michelle and making people tilt their faces off. And now since you have James White out there as an established guy who's going to be catching the ball on passing down situations, since you have Damian Harris, who seems like he's going to be coming in out of Alabama, second round pick, and Cam Newton in the red zone, who is definitely going to vulture some touchdowns more so than Tom Brady did on his one line goal line sneaks, right? Cam Newton's going to be running it in from three or four yards down, a la Josh Allen last year. And now Sony Michelle comes in with injuries. He seems like he's going to be starting off week one, but there's still uncertainty around that. And he seems like he's going to be like maybe the RB3 in this offense behind James White and behind Damian Harris when it comes to fantasy football. So there's no reason you should be taking him in your top 150 picks. There's no reason that he should be going as early as he is as like a 12th or 13 round pick right now. I don't like that. If you're dinking Sony Michelle, you might as well just be taking any other team's third string running back that doesn't have passing down responsibilities. But that's it. I don't want to spend any more time on Sony Michelle because I, I feel dirty saying it. I feel like I got to go brush my teeth and mouth wash just talking about Sony Michelle. Because look, he's a former first round pick for this team two years ago. That's lot, let a lot of people down in the organization and in fantasy football. Again, that is all we got right now. These are our worst picks of the draft. Those are eight players based on average draft position. Obviously, they're not the worst players in the league. They're all fantastic players. Amari Cooper is fantastic. Mahomes is amazing, right? But these are just based on where you could be drafting other players and having a better lineup construction. You want to build the most efficient and effective lineup. That does not mean you get the best players in the league in there. You can't do that. If you're reaching on players, right? If you're taking Rob Gronkowski in the fifth or sixth round, that's obviously awful. If you're taking Mahomes in the first round, in my opinion, in a 12 or 10 man league, not a tournament, that's a really bad decision in your opinion. You might think you have the best player in it, but Leagues are won on running backs and wide receivers and then late round upside picks. Normally those are late round quarterbacks, late round breakout tight ends like Darren Waller last year, right? Late round quarterbacks like Lamar and guys like Patrick Mahomes two years ago, Lamar last year, won a lot of people leagues. They're not going to win you leagues if you're taking them in the first and second round this year. Trust me. But that's where we're at right now. Check out the Supreme Draft Guide. All that information is linked down below. Again, if you want to dominate your draft and you just want to beat your league mates and have a really good time doing it, winning the bragging rights, winning potentially any money, making them do the punishments at the end of the year. If your league does punishments, you should. Well then go ahead and check out the Supreme Draft Guide link below. And before you go, if you can show me some free love, like button real quick, big subscribe button pops up, takes two seconds of your time. Come on, take those two seconds and show some appreciation if you're all the way down here, bottom right hand corner, you all rock. Peace out gang. Appreciate you all.